Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Sama, Sisters Against Mental Abuse. I'm your host, Misty, and today we have a guest on. Her name is Natalie, and just tell us a little bit about yourself, Natalie. Hi, Misty. Thank you for having me. Uh, Like she said, my name is Natalie Lamb. I am a life coach and an educator, speaker, uh, coach uh, for relationships, personal um, but I also do a lot of preventive work. Uh, founding, found out like when I first started meeting with namely couples, um, I realized that there's a lot of prevention that should be done <laughs> before people get involved with others. Uh, so that kind of is what led me into the prevention side of my business of doing coaching for, you know, your personal life and getting that together. And then also doing marriage coaching. And I do uh, parent coaching as well. Um, And then with that, I've added the preventive side to try to stop us from being in harm's way so that we can, you know, be healthier. Because if we didn't have as many um, troublesome people in our lives, uh, we would be actually healthier people. So I do child sexual abuse prevention for parents and adults and, you know, schools. And then I also do a uh, dangerous man and what I have named uh, the disturbed, which are people with little to no conscious or no conscious at all. And I do uh, a talk also on those so that we can understand in just layman terms how to protect ourselves because nobody really tells us how to protect ourselves before, right? We get involved with people in seeing those kind of signs. Oh yeah. And I'm, and I'm with you all the way. I mean, I know that you are also um, a follower of Black Femicide. So of course, you know that Black women and girls are being taken off the face of the earth every like five and a half, six hours. And so mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree. Like I want to take the preventative step. So part of that um, process, part of the preventative process is identifying these behaviors and spotting these things before they get out of control too. And so for what, for what you have seen so far, Um, Have you been able to identify some of these behaviors maybe in non-romantic partners? Because we've seen men taking out their mothers, sisters, and daughters as well more recently. It seems like it's getting worse in terms of family. So do you think that um, some of the profiles you have for the eight dangerous men, do some of these things apply to non-romantic relationships as well? Absolutely. Um, So the dangerous man... um, education that I give really is based for romantic uh, relationships. The disturbed, which is a separate, right, um, education that I give is for anyone. And um, when I've offered it, I've had mothers come and tell me, this is what my son is, right? Um, I've had siblings. I've had, um, of course, Romantic partners also see their romantic partner, male and female. You know, this is not definitely just men. Uh, there's definitely women that are dangerous and women that are disturbed as well. Um, I also give a dangerous woman seminar to men. Men are not as apt to grab it, but um, the times that I've done it in a mixed audience, it is very well received. Uh, what we fail to understand a lot of times is that people that are like really disturbed often are that from childhood. 
and there are signs and there's things to see and there's ways to be able to say that person is not responding, right? The way a normal person would respond. So it's paying, excuse me, paying attention to those uh, characteristics and behaviors and learning how not to mislabel them, right? Or give them a different understanding than what they are. Uh, sometimes in our families, it's very hard to look at someone and say, oh man, they're really like dangerous, right? I mean, looking at my, and I'm looking at my kid and I'm like, I know something's off. I know they're kind of mean, right? I know that they can do some shady stuff, but to just throw them off as that you're a dangerous person, it's super hard to do in families, but it's happening in families, right? We know that most abuses of all sorts uh, from child sexual abuse to murder to, you know, thievery and robbery and all that. A lot of times that comes from the hand of someone you know personally, oh, someone yes. in your family, right? Yes. So we've got to learn how to label them properly so that we can keep ourselves safe. Oh, yeah. And and I definitely agree with that, too. Um, I, I do um, want to make a space for more Black women to um, come forward with their stories within their families. But that's the hardest thing because yes. when it's, you know, how we say in the Black community, what's done in this house stays in this house. Yes. And that thing kind of, it becomes very destructive because at some point, I think Black women and girls in particular feel like we're betraying our entire family yes. by talking about what maybe a male relative has done to us. And that's very dangerous as well. But I do want to get into this. Um, you mentioned before in some of your talks that I've watched that there were five types of ways that you can be um, bothered. And so could you, could you kind of share that with us? Yeah, so when I speak of the word dangerous, um, I want it to be as broad as possible because sometimes we try to find ways where we don't fit. And uh, whenever I give a talk of this kind, I always tell uh, women, especially, look for where you do fit. If I say something that doesn't fit you, kudos. But if I'm saying a lot of things that do fit you, pay attention to those, right? So in that, we're looking at... Um, damage that is caused emotionally, physically, financially, sexually, or spiritually. So we're looking at the five different aspects of our life and seeing where harm is being inflicted. Um, a lot of times we only focus on the physical or the sexual, um, but we don't look at the financial abuses we often undergo, the spiritual abuse we deal with, and the emotional and or mental abuse that is being dealt with generally on a daily basis if you get entangled with someone that is is disturbed. Okay, so I want to run through those again because we talk about this a lot on my channel and it's not to downplay the physical abuse, but I feel like the physical abuse is the most obvious. It's what you can see mm -hmm. and people are more likely to um, report that as opposed to, you know, the emotional, sexual, financial, and spiritual abuse. So yeah. I do, I want to run through those again. So you said, um, how did you put it? You said it very, very well about the damage. Oh, so, so the damage is we're looking at the emotional and the mental, right? The thing with the emotion and the mental is that even 
to trained people, right? And, and, and especially the non-trained, right? Our family, friends. How do you quantify emotional abuse? How do I tell you the toll that is being done to me? It's extremely hard to verify, right? Yeah. Um, so you get stuck with, I'm trying to tell you an example and you've kicked my example out. And I'm trying to give you another example and you've kicked that example out. I cannot really you know, articulate the amount of abuse often that is done because a lot of times it's very sneaky. Like we can see somebody, you know, screaming, yelling, cussing you out and be like, okay, I get that. But a lot of times it's so much little sneaky, underhanded things that are being done that if you're not in the room and sometimes people are in the room and they don't see it, but if you're particularly not in the room, you don't know it's happening and I cannot give you 24 seven of what's happening. So we just stay quiet a lot of times, yes. right? Yes. I can't go to the cops and say, hey, he's doing this, you know, thing to me. He's saying these words to me. He, you know, he's hurting my feelings, right? We're like, hurt your feelings, oh, grow up, right? But that's real stuff. You know, we have downplayed speech and language as if language is not as abusive as a fist. You can be terribly harmed by people's words. Yes. Right. Um, if we go into the financial, you know, it's, it's looking at is someone withholding money from you, right? Are they not allowing you to spend the way you need to spend that, that deals with you living every day? Um, are they overspending your money, right? Have they now gotten access to your funds and now they're using it as their windfall, right? Do they have you buying into you know, all their entrepreneurships and, and having you invest in them and they're not investing in you. And I'm not saying that there's times when we don't do things for our partners, but it should be balanced and it should be quantified and there should be something coming back from it, not just a, a spindrift, right? That we're just giving all our cash away, but you're paying attention to that. How are you, what was your financial health before you got involved? What's your financial health now? And uh, because we don't talk about financial health a lot, only thing we talk about is, you know, making sure we fill in the bag, but we're not talking about how do I responsibly deal with my money and when is someone taking advantage of me? Oh, yeah. Right? Um, I mean, I've had uh, a couples that, and this is extreme, but it, it happens, right? Where he would force his wife if she went grocery shopping, right? She was in charge of grocery shopping. But if she went grocery shopping and he felt she bought an excess, he would make her go back to the grocery store and, and return some guacamole because that mm. was excessive. Mm -mm. Um, or, you know, a little like seriously, um, it's little things like that. Now, how do you share that with somebody, right? That's super embarrassing. Um, and somebody could just throw that off as not a big deal. But think about that being done every trip. Right. So you're looking at those simple little things that can be happening that you have now relabeled as not that big of a deal, but it is a big deal. Right. And right? I mean, I think it helps to to have people around you that are healthy individuals that validate your feelings, because I think nine times out of 10 in our community, like you said, OK, so he hurt your feelings and what? 
but that it's deeper than that I mean having people around that like gaslight you and make you think that you're the crazy one for feeling this type of way is is also I think that's also something that stops us from talking about it so really briefly (laughs) I want to talk about the spiritual um, Mm. part of this can you can you speak to that a little bit more because I think that's another thing that's very um it's a little complicated it's hard for people to pick up on um especially when we talk about the bible and like religion and everything like that how things are taken out of context and um could you address that Sure. So, you know, when we're looking at, 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 at spiritual abuses that happen, you know, via like in couples, right? Uh, most of the time, it's someone who is, you know, religious, they have their faith. If we talk about the Christian faith in particular, um, who has undergone a lot of, of let's put it lightly, foolishness, right? Um, I'm a Christian believer, so I'm not putting down the, the, the religion. I believe in, in God, right? But because we often get secondhanded information about the Bible in particular, it can easily be used against us. And, you know, women predominantly, especially in the Black community, feel the Black churches, right? Um, if we talk about historically, it's been mainly women carrying it. But you have men that come in and see how everyone else has misused the Bible to keep women down, uh, to make women uh, submissive, not in the way that the Bible speaks of submission, but in a way where they stay with the upper hand, right? And so when we don't have a full understanding and when we only get the Bible given to us from a male chauvinistic point of view, then we have misinformation and it's, it can then be misconstrued to say, oh, women need to be underneath a man. Women need to be, you know, a, a, a path that men step on top of and women shut up and take this because this is what God would want you to do. Well, when you really dig into the Bible and you see that, that would be furthest from the truth because with God, there is no greater person, male or female, right? Um, when he speaks of and what everybody uses, you know, Ephesians, as far as the women, woman is to, you know, submit to the husband, we see at the end of that, when Paul speaks, he goes to a greater concept, right? He says, I'm actually talking about Christ in the church. And then he goes on and says, submit one to another, right? So no one ever talks about the submit one to another, where men are to submit to women, women are to submit to men, because we're creating a union. And in this union, we should have some equity and some equality. Our roles that we play may look very different and that's subjective to the unique relationship of each couple, but to do an overall blanket as women are beneath and men are above, I think it's a misunderstanding of the scriptures. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, oh my goodness. I've also, (laughs) I've dealt with that too. Um, I dated someone who was, um, very religious Catholic and the Bible was definitely used to put me in my place. I was told if I, if I got married and I tried to get a divorce for any reason Mm -hmm. that I would go to hell. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, this, whoever I, this person is, if, he's beating me and I get a divorce I'm going to hell like just 
very disgusting stuff so I definitely yeah. I thank you for speaking on that because I, I that's a topic that's very touchy um, and it's something that's important to me but I do want to get into the eight types of these mm-hmm. the, the eight dangerous men could you could you kind of profile them for us really quickly and tell them yes profile um so let me give her kudos who I started researching behind which is Sandra Brown and she has a book called how to spot a dangerous man before you get involved and her work is exceptional she is pioneering in this she's been in the field now for for a few decades but in the beginning I've been doing this for like 10 years um she was one of the only ones that was really speaking out about dangerous men and pathological love relationships and what they look like and how women get involved. Um, and so from there, you know, we kind of picked that up, but I always love to give people their kudos for the hard work they do before, you know, you jump into uh, the same category with them. Um, when I am going to give you a, a brief synopsis because it's a lot entailed, but I just want to give you a brief synopsis so you guys can get some understanding. But when I speak about these in detail in a class or a seminar, I also go into not just the classification of who they are, but I also touch on some whys, right? Um, I touch on who they seek so that women can, because this is about empowering women, right? Um, we talk about the men and who they are, but I want the women to put the focus back on themselves and realize that you can choose and you can see and you have the capability of protecting yourself. So when you know what each type chooses, you can look at yourself and say, do I have those characteristics, right? Am I going to be perhaps someone they would go after because this is who I am, right? Um, We also talk about why they are successful, What are the things they do that keep them successful year after year, woman after woman, uh, decade after decade, right? And then your best defense strategy, depending on which guy you also are more attractive to. What we know is that if you start off with dangerous men, you tend to keep repeating it, maybe different types of men, but they all seem to have a little tinge of dangerousness to them. So the, the, the eight categories that we can talk about, the first one is called a permanent clinger, okay? He's a needy victim-based man. Um, he will give a woman a lot of attention, but in return, you have to meet all his needs. He tends to start off with that adoration and, and you feel like really sucked in because he really is all into you and and everything is about you. He's calling you all the time. He's making sure he's there. But as the relationship goes on, right, you start realizing that if you converse with other people, if you have friends or family even, right, or even your children, he starts getting uh, quite jealous. And he's the one that will pull up with, you know, I'm never going to get old of this. I'm going to harm myself if you leave me. I can't believe you've done this. Um, Why won't you help me? And what happens is women feel overwhelmed with the amount of attention they then need. Starts off wonderful, feels good. But then, oh my God, will you please move, right? It becomes, he's suffocating me. It's, It's too much. I can't breathe. I can't move. Um, He has to be a part of everything. 
Uh, he's the guy that wants to be in all the women conversations and, you know, jumping in and all of that. That's the guy that you don't namely call dangerous, right? Because he's not doing the physical things to you, but he is suffocating the life out of you. So you're paying attention. How much freedoms did I have before I started with him? And how suffocated am I now? So he's a, would you call him a love bomber? Does this change or is he just clingy constantly? Does he um, kind of switch up on you sometimes and, and do the control thing? or? So his control, not so much love bombing as we have now kind of defined it, right? Mm -hmm. um, his, his thing really is that he just wants to be under you all the time. He gets his thrill from constantly being consumed by you and he wants you to be consumed by him as well. So it is this, you know, of course, control comes in there, right? Because when you are uh, removing me from my friends or trying to make me feel guilty for being with them, um, saying I'm spending too much time with my mom, that kind of thing. Of course, a control aspect is in there, but it looks different than that overt control. It's more of this uh, uh, convert uh, control that goes under the blanket that you don't really see. Mm -hmm. It's just ways of manipulation that tends to be stronger. Okay. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. Um, so the second guy is, is a parental seeker. Okay. They are very different, right? The clinger and the seeker, though they have some attributes very much so alike. But the parental seeker really is looking for a parent. He really is looking someone to take care of him. Um, he wants you to run his whole life. Uh, he he is hard to make good decisions, right? He may work, but he's not going to be a person that goes for promotions. He's not going to be a person that's trying to make it happen. Uh, you guys get involved in your life. You will be doing everything, right? You will be making all the big decisions, the big purchases. He won't be consistent. He acts very much so childlike. Um, he can shower you with a lot of adoration, though, but he's just very low functioning in his capabilities. Now, for women, this works well if you are also a controlling woman, if you want to kind of be in control and keep everything going. Uh, some single moms fall into these guys because you don't really have to switch much up. You get to stay kind of in that persona of, of running things, keeping things going. He just slips in <laughs> with it. Um, sometimes they can be really good with kids because they're almost a child themselves. So when you see it at first, especially if you have children, you're like, man, he really gets along well with the kids. He'll sit there and play video games with them. Um, he may take them to the park. He may do these kind of things, but he's not going to ever be a partner. You're always going to be parenting him that makes sense oh yeah so yeah and I think what you said it made sense when you said he's not gonna be a partner he's mm -hmm. gonna you gotta carry him pretty much pretty much <laughs> okay what's the <laughs> next one you got for me so the next one is the emotionally unavailable man Ooh. yes so this man is either married separated engaged or dating someone else 
Um, he usually presents himself as I'm unhappy with where I am. Um, you usually get, I'm not quite out of it yet. You like we're in, say if he's married, we're in proceedings, we're separated. You get all the talk. He talks heavily about whom he's with. So he creates her to be almost demon-like, um, crazy. And you buying into all the stories, you're like, man, he seems like a good dude, right? Like, it seems like she's the one who's the problem. Um, of course, you're not getting her story. So you're only hearing his. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's a way for him to stay with his current. And you have no idea if he's unhappy or not. And this is one thing I tell people uh, when I do the talk is you're here. He's telling you how unhappy he is, but at home he's bells and whistles. He's just fine. Ain't nothing really going on in the relationship. He just wants somebody else and you happen to be available for that, right? The other type of um, unavailable man emotionally is one that is very preoccupied with his career very preoccupied with his education, his goals, his hobbies, his other interests to the exclusion of being able to be in a real relationship with you. Now we look at that because, you know, especially nowadays, everybody's bossing up and you want people that are career driven, uh, black women who are more educated now than ever before and that are carrying it, that are have careers and all of that. You want someone that is gonna meet you right where you are. The trouble with it sometimes is that you have a man who is so involved in climbing the ladder or getting another master's or getting his doctorate um, or somebody that's really into their hobbies, right? He's a, a motorcycle person or into golfing or something. And you, un you start, you know, it looks good in the beginning, right? And then all of a sudden you're like, he ain't got no time for me. Like I'm always being put into the calendar. Like there's never just leisure time for us just to, to kind of chill and be together. I always have to get drafted in as if I'm another client or, or someone, you know, like that. You want to pay attention to that because though he may have the bells and whistles, does he have the emotional capacity to actually be your partner? Because oh, that matters. So, so for that one, the... Uh... Also, could we start identifying the, the I guess, the damage in each of these? Because I'm thinking, obviously, an emotionally available man is very dangerous because you're invested and he's probably not. That's, <laughs> I think mm -hmm. that speaks for itself. Is, is that, am I correct on that damage? Yeah, right. So you're invested. He is not. The trouble is he never will be. He does not want a relationship where he is emotionally engaged. Mm -hmm. He's more than willing to stay and have some entertainment. Y'all sleep together. Y'all can even go on a little vacation or something. He's more than willing to play the role that requires nothing of him. Mm -hmm. And that's where women have to choose. Uh, I deserve someone who's fully available. I deserve someone who's emotionally invested in me as well, not just physically, right? Um, but emotionally invested. I know him. I'm getting um, information about him. It, it, you have to be careful with the casualness. If you're looking 
to wanting to have a real relationship. Now, if y'all both just casual and there's no investment, go at it. But think about what you really want. And a lot of times we don't want to own what we really want because we feel like we won't get it. So I settle for somebody that can give me enough of a thrill, right? Enough of some type of connection because I'm like, I'm never going to get the other and a little is better than none. So set, settling, like you're most settling. black women do. Settling. Yeah, you settle, right? And you're like, okay, well, that's enough, but it's not really enough. Mm-hmm. And, and so the whole time he's going to, you're going to feel bad. And that's not, yes. that's not good for your mental health, your emotional health, your self-esteem. Okay. I None of it, right? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. What's the next one? So the next one is the man with the hidden life. And this man has undisclosed other lives that might include women and children, different jobs, life-threatening addictions, criminal behavior, diseases, other histories that you never know about. And the trouble about this is that you often don't know until you know. So, uh, but he has a whole other persona, got a whole other life that he is living outside of you. And it will be little trinkets that end up being manifested, right? There's no way for him to tell you exactly where he is. Um, a lot of times men with hidden lives will keep you also away from their family and friends. Uh, because sometimes, sometimes, not always, but sometimes family and friends know that they're living a secret life. And they already have privy the fact she's not going to know about this. So do you keep at a distance so you don't get too involved in his life because he doesn't want to be found out? So when you're looking at like, why is there so much time that I don't know where you are? Uh, why is it always some evasive answer? You've been gone for, you know, a week and, and you just, oh, yeah, I had to go here. Right. Uh, it was work related. Well, where were you? Why were you there? What's going on? Because I can give you that information about me. Why aren't you sharing this with, you know, with me, right? So you have to be careful of when you have so many gaps in time where you have no idea what's going on in this life. Oh, wow. And, and you know what, out of the ones that we've covered, that's the scariest because I've had people on the show and some of them revealed to me that, you know, their ex had, their ex-husband had a, a criminal past or, um, I had one guest who told me that she found out later her husband had um, minor sexual images. I, I, I mean, mm. I'm going to put this on YouTube, so I can't really say what it is. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and so I think that's the scariest one. What do you suggest for us? How can we vet? Um, it sounds like paying attention, like being aware of gaps in time is one of them. But how can we... How can we move around this or, or find what we need to find? Because that's scary. It's, it's super scary because you don't know what they're hiding, right? Mm-hmm. But it is you being willing to ask questions. And if someone is extremely evasive and they don't want to give you answers or they kind of jump around it, you owe it to yourself to ask again, right? Now, I'm not suggesting, especially with people like these people, um, you often don't want to do the interrogation. You want to be strategic. And I say this to every woman going in meeting anybody. You are to be strategic. You are to pay attention. You are to keep notes, especially in the beginning. 
making sure stories line up, making sure that you said this first, but oh my goodness, you're saying that now? Um, this didn't equal each other. Uh, again, if the relationship has gone on for a certain period of time, why can't I meet anyone in your life? Uh, why is, is your job a secret? Why can't I uh, meet a friend or a family member or something like that? You want to just pay attention to those things. Um, how long were you gone when I have no information? Uh, the, the scary thing with this is that you can have somebody that, you know, we think of, you know, in our community, a lot of people have been to jail, right? So we tend to say, oh, yeah, you know, I was away for a while, but you need to ask why. What, what did you do? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we don't want to get into the nicks and crannies and stuff, but, you know, it, it crimes are different. Mm -hmm. And you want to make sure you know what the crime actually was. And then you get to go and investigate too. Yes. Like this is your life. Mm -hmm. Who you tie yourself to, be it for a small period of time or for a lifetime, they change your destiny. And we are just submitting to allowing people to change our destiny. And we're not really looking further into it. You got to care as much about your life as you want anybody else to care about it. And you should care more. So it's paying attention. It's keeping notes. Man, if you got to keep a little notepad, right? Uh, why are you asking some questions? Phones are beautiful. Keep information at your hands so you can see, because this is about you protecting you. Oh, yeah. And I also like to mention a lot of criminal records are public. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you just take a quick Google. A quick Google. Find that, but I feel like we don't want to do that. Yeah, you know, it feels, <laughs> it feels like you're invasive. It feels like you're not starting off trusting. It, it feels unauthentic, right, to go in and, and research somebody. Mm -hmm. But what we know is that there's a lot of dangerous men out there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what we know is that they prey on women. So hopefully we find some that are not like that because a lot of good dudes too, right? It's a lot of great men out there um, that are doing the right thing, that are, are, are polished and poised and have character and integrity. But there's others that have none of it. And you don't know who you're meeting and who they are. So you owe it to yourself to always protect you first oh yeah yep and and we have to be proactive because proactive. I, I will google a man's name in a minute I'm telling <laughs> you I will not play social media I'm looking at ev like everything so yeah yeah um okay so that was the man with the hidden life which yes. is very scary it looks like we're going into a, a darker direction darker here. direction right <laughs> so uh, what's next number five is the mentally ill man and this one's tough Okay, um, especially with our now awareness of mental illness and not um, making it a taboo thing and anything like that. So in no way am I saying this, right? In no way am I putting down people that are mentally ill. It is about you understanding that it is a cycle. It is a life that you are jumping into, right? In our community particularly, we do not go and get diagnosed. We do not avail ourselves to the different amount of medications that are available. Um, so I'm not talking about someone that has been diagnosed with a mental illness, that is taking their medication, that regularly goes to therapy, sees their psychiatrist, 
I'm not talking about that person. That's a person, you can have mental illness with mental health, right? Because they're, they're two different things. So you can be mentally ill and take care of your mental illness, which gives you some mental health because you understand it. You know your cycles. You know what triggers you. Mm-hmm. You know all these things about you. That's a different person. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And I, you know what? And I agree, too, because I was thinking about this um, when I watched the video of the the person that um, took away Ariana Reed, he was like, oh, well, my mental health, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, now we are starting to see these guys do this to these women. And they say, well, my mental health, you know, and and that's not the case because there's people that have bipolar disorder. They have schizophrenia. They have all these different mental illnesses. And they take, like they said, like you just said, they take their medicine. They don't go out and hurt people. Like you, I will never understand that. So I, I definitely... I feel the same way, but we still have to be honest with ourselves because mental illness that goes untreated is definitely a a huge problem. So yeah, I'm with you. This is not about the people that are Mm -hmm. doing what they're supposed to do. And I don't want to make it like a a taboo kind of thing either. We need to be honest too. And this is something we don't pay attention to mental health or mental illnesses in our community. And I think a lot of people are walking around and they need help, but then there's also this taboo like, well, I'm not crazy. I'm not going to a therapist. So, you know, I, I understand. And so yes. you're safe here to speak freely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm I mean, cause you know, I, I deal with people that have uh, different, different things going on with them. Right. And, and some that are mentally ill. Um, and I have to always make this super clear. Mental illness does not equal evil, dangerous behavior. There are people that have mental illness, right? Namely personality disorders that have some evilness in them. And we can separate the two. So we are looking in this vein when I speak of the mentally ill man of what you're getting yourself into. You need to understand what his problem is. You need to understand what if he's presenting certain ways, but think about the education that we have, which is none hardly, on mental illness, on personality disorders. For the major public, we don't know what this stuff is. We don't know what it looks like. We don't know signs of it. So we have just categorized stuff as that's crazy. Now everybody throws around narcissists and all the other little things. We don't really understand it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's why I kind of delved into this other aspect of it when I do the disturbed uh, talk is because I want us to understand what we need to look for what we need to see so we can label things properly. But even if you have someone with uh, a diagnosed mental illness that they're treating it and they're taking care of it, know that you are in a cycle with them. There's gonna be times when they're well, there's gonna be times when they're not well. Um, You have to go along with it and see if this is what you want your life to look like, right? If you wanna get on this journey, we're talking about before you get involved, I'm, I'm, I'm stressing that, right? Uh, before you get involved, pay attention, look, see things that are amiss, pay attention when the personality shifts, when the temperament goes in another direction. Because once you get involved and they, it's very hard to separate just because someone's mentally ill, right? Like, well, why did you leave him? Because he's mentally ill. That sounds terrible. So we tend to become sucked into it and it's hard to separate uh, because you don't want the 
the label on you that you walked away from somebody that has something that they can't control. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's tough, right? Um, the next one is the addict. Okay. And a lot of times we don't recognize upfront that the addiction is a problem. In our community, we drug use, alcoholism is, is common. We think it's fun. We sing about it. We do it constantly. It's something that we have very much so normalized mm -hmm. so that we don't see it as addiction anymore. And unless somebody's like on crystal meth, right? <laughs> or, or something, heroin or something extreme. Right, right. But even with that, like, oh, they just use occasionally. Well, you know, we got to be cognitive. And that's us too, right? Um, women are drinking at higher rates now than before. I read that. That's great. I really read yeah. that. And it said that Black women in particular, that's one of the ways that we handle our anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And we've become addicted. Mm -hmm. We have become alcoholics. And we don't want to call ourselves that. But if you have to drink every day, if every time you have a problem, the first thing is, let's go get a bottle. Now, pay attention to how normalized we've made this and then with now marijuana in so many states being legalized oh well it's okay right let's just do it it calms us down we can do it it's not a harm it's not hurting anybody but you don't know how to deal with life without numbing yourself and the more you do it the more you have to numb yourself to get through life and that's how addiction is created it does not happen overnight you know, it, it becomes this thing that you constantly go to and it starts feeding you is what you are drawn to. And now you don't know how to cope without it. So depending on the substance, of course, it looks different. But because we have so much addiction in our families, we have normalized what addiction is. And now we don't even see it as alarming as it really is. It changes your life. And of course, if you are with a man who has an addiction, you're also taking that on, especially if you're not someone that has an addiction, you're kind of, I mean, you might get sucked into that lifestyle too. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And I remember with addictions, we're not just looking at alcohol and drugs, but we're also looking at sex. Okay. We're also looking at pornography. Okay. Uh, we're also looking at thrill-seeking behaviors. Man, right. that, that is a whole, oh my goodness. I'm right. glad you mentioned that too. We don't talk about sex addiction in our community or pornography. No, we don't. That Yeah, I'm glad that you pointed that out. And I you mean, get in a relationship with a man that's addicted to pornography. It changes your life. I, look, I've been there. I'm yeah, <laughs> I've right? been there. I had, I've had many male clients that have a pornography addiction that I've, you know, work with them to absolve it. Yeah, it's tough because a lot of times people start their pornography addiction at 10, 11 years old. Yes. So you get to them at, at 25, 30, 35, 40, they've been full into this addiction hitting. Nobody sees it, but it's rampant. They have to have it. It changes everything. So you gotta be, you gotta ask some questions, right?
We don't talk about gambling a lot, but that's a serious addiction that definitely hurts your, your financial health. But we kind of don't talk about it. Food can be an addiction. Relationships can be addiction. Like almost anything can be addiction. You're paying attention to how people move, right? You're paying attention to what things they have to have, what excess is in their life. Because that's going to change the way they are with you. It's going gonna, it's gonna to affect your relationship. I think a lot of times we think that we can, uh, for this particular um, topic, I think that women, especially Black women, think that they can fix this person or I can help him through it but you're mm-hmm. not a professional I was one of those women I, I, I dated someone that had a really bad uh addiction to pornography and mm-hmm. I thought I could help yeah. <laughs> no leave that to the professionals honey because that <laughs> that's no joke that no, is it's no, no joke. joke it's no joke um the next one is the abusive or violent man right and uh he starts off giving a lot of attention he can be very given he's the one that we call the uh, the one that changes right he's the dr jekyll mr hyde uh you start seeing controlling behavior blaming you shaming harming perhaps hitting right hitting is not always a part of the abusive man is always a part of the violent man but you're looking for escalation the one thing about these type of men, it never de-escalates. It's always going to continue to escalate. So it starts off with calling you out your name, and then it turns into a full hour dialogue of, or not even a dialogue, a rant of them completely just decimating you, right? And you said, how did we get here, right? Um, the blaming, the shaming. And because a lot of times with these men, they find the little part of you that has an insecurity. They've learned something about your past that they can capitalize on. So they just beat you down further and further and further. So abuse can be verbal, emotional, spiritual, financial, physical, or sexual. Saying that again, because I want us to fully understand that. Um, it starts off with, you know, a pinch of the leg when he got mad at you and it turned into now him grabbing your arm and then it turns into him, you know, punching the wall. Uh, some very violent men never put their hands on a woman, but they tear the house up. And that is as abusive as them beating you because what they're trying to instill in you is fear. And yes. any relationship that is full of fear means that you cannot move the way you need to. Oh, yes. Yes. And that's something I've also um, mentioned that someone punching the wall in front of you or, you know, doing physical things around you, but not to you is intimidation. And it's mentally abusive because you're always thinking, "Uh oh, so maybe next time it won't be the wall. Maybe next time it'll be me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So I want to go back to something you said that I that I watched um, one of your videos. You talked about um, how. I don't know if it was the abusive or violent man, but how some of these men, they find out what your last relationship was like and you you accidentally give them the blueprint. So you talk about mm-hmm. your ex never showed you attention. So now he knows to show you attention. Like he knows how to find out what you're insecure about because you're giving him the blueprint. 
So mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about that? Is that something that would also apply to the abusive, violent man as well? That does. And that actually flows into our last man, which is the emotional predator. Okay. Ooh. And um, he's the one who has like this sixth sense about women. Uh, he knows women. He knows how to play to a woman's woundedness. Okay. Um, although his motives may be, and everyone has different motives. So we want to keep it very broad when you're thinking about that, because if you try to fine tune it, you can get yourself out of the particular thing they're going for, because you don't know what they're going for until it shows its face. So we are looking at and seeing what vulnerabilities are they looking for? Um, The reason why we call him the emotional predator is because he hunts his victims by targeting their emotional vulnerabilities. So we have to be careful about, again, how much information we give out. Uh, And you wanna have a conversation, you wanna get to know people, but you have to realize that everything that you're giving can be used against you, right? So you're being, again, strategic. You are paying attention. Um, You're not giving too much. You're not talking more than they're talking. And a lot of times, you know, we want to be seen. We want to be heard. It feels good for someone to put interest in us. And they know how to ask us the right question to get us to have logoria. So logoria is diarrhea of the mouth, right? And we just are spilling it and we're telling everything. I done told you all about my ex. I done told you all about my family. Um, I've given you all this ammunition to be able to use against me, but it just feels good. The emotional predator is the scariest one because they are the ones that we don't tend to see. They are the ones that can become a chameleon. They can be whatever we need them to be. You want me to be tough, I'll be tough. You want me to be gentle, I'll be gentle. Uh, you, You want me to be into your girly stuff, I'll be into your girly stuff. You want me to be into my guys, I'll be into my guys. I will be whatever you want me to be until I know I got you. And they know how to read a woman's, um, everything that she's not saying, right? Because, you know, we can come off really secure. We can come off confident. You know, when we go out, we're all dialed up. We didn't put on our face. We got hair flowing. You know, we snatched. We're all of that. And he's like, I see this. I see that. And I see that in you because he knows how to read your facial expression. He knows how to read the tone of your voice. He knows how to understand the inflections that we make, right? So they are ahead of the game. And I want every woman to understand anyone can get got. And sometimes we stay in relationships because we don't want to admit that we got played. We don't want to admit that we played the fool. Everybody can play the fool. These people have been at this game, most of them, especially the emotional predator, since they were kids. They were reading the room when nobody else was paying attention. They sat there and watched when they moms and aunties and grandmas talked about men. They watched and saw how they uh, uh, responded and what things they could get away with. They are people that pay great attention to everything. So they could see you walk in and they already spotted the one they wanna go after. How do you protect yourself from that? You stay in tune. 
you make sure that you are strategic. You make sure you're not giving more than what you need to give. This sounds super scary and I don't want everybody to be paranoid and not be able to date and go along with their life. But I want you to understand that they are some dangerous, manipulative, evil men out there that want nothing more than to prey on you. And when we look at all of this, right? We got eight men, but then there's this other one, right? And that's the combo man. And that's a man that is a mixture of the eight. So every one they add to it, right? That's an extra amount of dangerousness. That's an extra amount of pitfalls, an extra amount of symptoms you're looking for. You're talking about somebody that's never gonna get it right. So throw the fantasy of fixing, Though the fantasy of we work together, some people have struggles. I'm not perfect. You know, we love to say that I'm not perfect. I got problems, but you ain't evil. So we're looking at it. We got to put oranges to oranges and apples to apples and not get mixed up in the process. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that last one. Well, the emotional predator is very, very. Oh, my goodness. Um, that's a lot to take in. So I think with the emotional predator, I think most of us will struggle with trying to be honest, but trying like, if I'm dating this new person, I don't mm -hmm. want to hold back. Like I want to be honest about my past. What do you suggest in that way? Because I know that you said stay in tune, pay attention to how much information you're giving versus how much you're giving how do we balance that, that feeling of guilt of not telling them things that we feel like we have to tell them uh, regarding our past relationships? Okay, so look at it this way. Everyone is not owed your story. Make people earn it. Oh, okay. Right? You, you don't get to know all of this about me. I don't even know you yet. See, we want to say we know people before we know them. I'm in love. How are you in love when you don't even know them? So when I have singles ladies that I, you know, coach, you know, oh, I, I got involved, you know, I'm in love. I think he's the one. How? It's been a month. Mm -hmm. Can you be known in a month? Can somebody know all the details and the nuances about you and even the, the superficial stuff about you in a month? Oh, we talk every night for four hours and da-da-da-da-da. Okay. But you only get information that they want to give you. Hmm. So you cannot be so trusting, so into wanting to be authentic. It's a beautiful trait. Let me just say this because I know we're, we're going to end up soon, but I want to, to help women understand. It is often the most prized parts of us, the greatest attributes and characteristics that we have that these men go after. So much we've talked about what the abused woman looks like. She's one who's been in an abusive relationship before, or her home life is this, and she's been victimized and all of this. But understand, that's just one type. There are in almost the majority, especially when we look at the um, research that Sandra Brown has done, that the majority of women are not that. 
the majority of women have beautiful traits. They have this trait of being agreeable, right? You can get along with people. You're, you have trust. You have tolerance. You're straightforward. You're humble. You're empathetic. Um, we're conscientious. We're self-controlled. We have some discipline. We're responsible. We're dutiful people, right? It's like this good stuff that's in us makes us a prey because they like to take down women who are this challenge, who do have self-esteem, who do have things going for them, who are not, you know, like in these terrible spaces, but you still can be a victim. And when women that already have this going for them, that have these great traits, when we become victimized, it is much harder for us to walk out because one, you're sitting there trying to figure out how the heck did I get here? I got this going in every other place in my life. I got it together. I come here and I'm a wreck. But it's not because you're weak and you're, you're not together and you got all these issues. It's that you just are involved with a man who is disastrous, who wants to take you down. So I don't want us to always look at ourselves as being the problem. I want us to see that this good stuff in us, these beautiful things we have, we got to safeguard. We got to hold it to us, right? We got to protect ourselves. And then you got to move in that space. You get to be in charge of this. You get to decide. But the reason why we often get so deeply involved is because we jump in with two feet. We're so eager, right? We, we want to just be ourselves. I want somebody just to know me for me. And, and I want you to have that because being in a beautiful relationship is one of the greatest wealths we can have. It is normal to want to be with someone. It is normal to want to be loved. It is normal to want to be cherished and taken care of and seen and felt and hurt. Those are normal things. So don't put yourself down because that's what you want. It's this understanding on the other side of it. We got these people that their whole life aim is to be a predator and their prey is women. So we got to be aware of, we got to get this education. We got to prevent it before it happens. So that's you pulling back on your emotions. That's you checking yourself. I'm getting in too deep, right? I didn't gave way too much away. And I know this may be a little controversial, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I really want women to protect themselves. We got to be careful how much we give our sexuality away to people so fast. Mm -hmm. And I know it's hookup nation, you know, we, we swiping and hooking up and it's no big deal. And you get to do, and you do, you get to do whatever you want with your body. You can sleep with as many people you want to sleep with, but understand there's consequences to every behavior. Mm -hmm. There's stuff you got to pay for when you do certain things. So in the moment, it may feel good. You may be all, you know, hot and heavy and you want to get, get off whatever, but realize it's a consequence. And a lot of times the consequence falls on you. Oh my goodness. I mean, you said a word. <laughs> you said a word. Okay. I look, I need people to listen to this. Um, so I do want to run back through the list. We had the permanent clinger. We had the parental seeker. 
the emotionally unavailable man, um, mm -hmm. the man with the hidden life, mm -hmm. the mentally ill man, the addict, the abusive, violent man, the emotional predator, and then the combo man, which sounds like a, a very scary mixture of all of those yes. together. So, yes. wow. I mean, you gave us a lot of knowledge this, <laughs> this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you had me clutching my pearls, hanging on to my seat. Can I give you one more tip? Yes. Okay. So this one is a great way, especially when you start to meet people. Now this works for romantic and just folks you're meeting, right? And it's called the rule of three. And this looks like one lie, one broken promise or a single neglected responsibility may be a simple misunderstanding. We all do it. We all don't get it right all the time, but two, right? Two lies, two broken promises, two uh, neglected responsibilities. I want you to pay attention to what is going on. When you are now into the relationship and you didn't already know them for just a hot minute, you got three lies going, three broken promises, three ne uh, neglected responsibilities. You got to say, I'm dealing with someone that's a liar. I'm dealing with someone that's deceitful. And the linchpin of consciousness behavior is when we deal with lies. Remember, lies is how everything starts. Almost every harm that is done to us starts with a lie. And though we have normalized lying and we act like it's not a big deal and we don't talk about character and morality and integrity much anymore in society, lying shows you who people really are. So when you are dealing with someone and you constantly are seeing lies, constant deceit, constant evading, constant deflecting, please pay attention and see it as detrimental. Because when someone lies to you, they take your choice away from you. And we all should be able to choose. Oh, wow. Thank you for that, for that last tip too. I, I don't think that um, a lot of us take lying as seriously as we probably should. Yeah. Um, and so again, thank you so much for coming on. You dropped so much knowledge. It's a lot to digest. And I hope that the listeners take from this as much as I took away. I got to have you on for that disturbed, um, for the disturbed uh, discussion. Cause I want to know about that too. Um, thank you again for coming on, Natalie. Thank you. And I didn't give you guys my, if you guys want to follow me, my business is called It's Your Choice. Um, you can find me on Facebook under It's Your Choice or Instagram on It's Your Choice 06. Um, and there we can connect. And I give out this kind of information all the time on my page. So just to keep us informed and healthy and wise. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.